Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. And you visually just in my eyes, looking uh, one on one with you. But um, it just, I want to make sure that we do this justice tonight as, as we go through it. I wrote this down today. I think one of the most significant and profound statements that was ever said in the history of mankind was by a group of philosophers in 1991 called Salt and Pepper when they said the words, Let's talk about sex. All right? And the thing that made it sound not so profound or less profound was the fact that it was put to music and it was followed up by a cheesy word called baby that they put at the end of it. But you know what? It is one of the most significant things that we could and should be talking about. And that's why tonight as a church, we just want to lift the lid on it again. We want to talk about it, the significance in it. I know a couple of months ago, David Blevins said one of the best talks I've ever heard on this. This is no way to take away from anything that he said or to try to add to it. Let's just try to come at it in a different angle. If you didn't hear his talk, he did a whole uh, exposition on the Song of Solomon, which is phenomenal. I would really love you to go and see it. But I just think that this is a significant thing in all relationships, right? In all relationships, communication is vital both for the health of the individuals in the relationship, but for the sick and the health of the relationship itself, communication is vital. As we're going to look tonight, even within a marriage relationship, one of the most significant things that we could speak about, but yet it's one of the things that never or rarely gets properly or truthfully communicated is around this issue of sex. We're going to look to see about how that's one of the most significant things we can talk about more on that later. Within the church within our relationships, within your friendship circles, one of the things that never or rarely gets communicated properly or truthfully about, again, is around this issue of sex. And so what we need to realize is that this is so significant. It's something that we should never stay silent on. It's something that we should never be ashamed to talk about, but in a desire for fullness of life. And again, as I prayed at the start, in a posture of grace, as we move in these things, it's significant. This is something that's significant and needs chatted and communicated clearly and frequently. Right, so tonight while we talk about this, and I know David Blevins did a talk a couple of months ago, I think it's been a two or three years, maybe slightly more since we chatted about this. This is something that needs communicated clearly and it needs communicated frequently, right? Because this is such a massive issue in our lives. And so tonight what we're gonna do is just we're gonna answer three questions. The first two are gonna be a good bit quicker, and then the third one we're gonna spend a bit of time just unpacking it at the end is around this. We're gonna look at what is sexual immorality. We're gonna just unpack it just very briefly. Why sex only in marriage? Probably a question a lot of people are asking. God, why sex only in marriage? Why only there? And then the third thing we're going to ask is, how do we guard your purity? Because the title of this tonight has been sexual purity. So when we're talking about what is purity in this area of sexuality, God, how do we guard it? How do we live in a pure way? So we're going to be answering these two questions. If you have a Bible tonight, it's going to be on the screen. But if you have a Bible tonight, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 to 14. We're just going to read this together. And, uh, and then I'm going to just try and pick bits and pieces out of this as we go through. So it says this. These are the words of Paul to the church in Ephesus. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Right? Let me just read that again. That's going to be an important line we'll come back to again. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. 
Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake! O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We're, we're going to just take for a few verses out of this, just unpack just some of the teaching and the meaning of Paul as we go through it. Um, but we're just trying to answer these three questions. The first thing really to look at is just this question, what is sexual immorality? It's a big term. You see it referenced in the Bible passage. It's probably one of those ones you've used before, you've heard before. But just to make sure that there's clarity in terms of understanding what we're talking about tonight with this, here's a wee dictionary definition for you from the outset, all right? And uh, this is what it says in terms of the idea of morality. Morality is the principles concerning the the, the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior. So when we define morality, a lot of people would say that the, the good thing about the Christian faith is that it has set guidelines and morality even for cultures and societies to be able to follow where they're able to see that there's a distinction and, and a choice between what is right and what is wrong. When someone is living in immorality, it is they're living in a way where they're not really caring about what is the distinction between right or wrong. They're, it's almost like they're just living in a way to almost please or to satisfy themselves. It's like it's, it's not even in their thought process what is the right and what is the wrong and trying to avoid the wrong or to follow the right at all times. It's, they're living in an, immoral, in an immoral way. One of the definitions here says the state or quality of being immoral. There you go, funny enough, or, or wickedness. Paul is being very clear. Um, that we must take care not to live in a wrong way with regards to sexuality. One of the things, right, just to say from the outset, there was this. One of the things that's happened with this area in our lives is that everyone, it seems to be, has just, because of how we've maybe been brought up in our different Christian backgrounds, you've been brought up in it. A lot of people in the in the Christian faith, in the church, just somehow have equated everything to do with sex as being bad or being wicked or that there's something wrong with it. Right? And one of the things we want to say from the outset tonight is that sex is not a bad thing. Right? Sex was something that was created by God. It was something that was given as a gift from God. It was not a bad thing. Sex was a good thing. And one of the things we see is that God gave it. So in the opening pages of Scripture in Genesis chapter 2, listen what it says. This is Adam saying, Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, this is the directions. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 
And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This idea that in this union of sexual intercourse, there's a coming together, this idea of becoming one flesh, there's this union that actually happens. And one of the things we see is that as God created uh, on the sixth day, this is when mankind was created, we were the pinnacle of creation. And at the end of each of the days, God looked at all that he had made and he said, what? It is good looked at it and said it was good and as he had made man and woman and he had given them in this union together and given them in this gift of sex he looked at it and said it was good God created sex and it was a good thing you, you know what happened in Genesis chapter 3 sin entered the world Adam and Eve were tempted to follow the ways of the devil and what happened is because of sin entering into the world we now live in a fallen nature we now live as a result of the consequences of living in a fallen world where we have struggles of the flesh we have the things that we really struggle and this is one of the areas and in this area of sexuality this beautiful thing this gift that God had made and created that was originally made in this beautiful thing became damaged became twisted and used in a way that was not good it had gone against everything that God wanted one of the things that words we've used previously is this word this is a word for sin it's a Greek word. It's this word, hamartia. This was a term that was used in archery. You've heard me use this many times in church before. And what happened was that as the, as the archers took aim of the bows, uh, yeah, the arrows, sorry, not the bows, the arrows at the, the target, if, if it was completely missing the target, you know the way in golf they would shout, was four. I'm not a really golfer. That's what they shout. You know, when the ball's gone way off in case it hits someone, they would have shouted this. And what it was, it meant that this is missing the target. They would have shouted this. This was a word that was used in Greek and it was even used in, in reference to this idea of sin. It was missing the target because what we need to realize is that in this area, God has best and good intentions for you with this. Right? God wants you to live in a free and a full way in this area. And so he has his best ideas for you, his best ideals for you to live into. And listen, one of the things I want to just be able to, to look at tonight is, God, what are those ideals? Not in a way to try and bash any of us over the head and say, you're rubbish for not living up to them. But you know, we have to have something to aim for. We have to have a godly standard to live for in our lives. Otherwise, we're just bringing God down to our level. He is God and he has the best for us. That's what John 10.10 10 says. He wants us to live fully. It's a fullness of life that he wants us to experience. So even in this area, God has something for us. But what has happened is that because of sin, sometimes it just seems that we miss the target. And many of us, self-included, have frequently lived at times just where it's almost like we're living in a second best reality in existence in this area of sex. And so as we explore tonight, We've seen tonight that where this, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus is able to release us into freedom in this area. Right? If this has been an area of struggle, who the sun sets free is free indeed. You can be free to live fully into all that God has for you in this area. We all sin. We all miss the mark in some way of God's best in our lives. Listen, sex, sexuality might be a struggle for you. It might not be tonight. But here's the thing. We all have struggles, don't we? In some way or another, the Bible even says this in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So again, from the outset, I'm saying this is not a shame or a guilt talk or a condemning talk or anything whatsoever in that way, but it's just to say that there are weaknesses in all of our life. The thing that was really significant for me, right, was that, remember I got, we read that, we reread that line, sorry, twice at the start of Ephesians chapter 5. The thing that really caught me was that Paul actually equates sexual immorality with greed, 
He said those words. He says, flee sexual immorality and purity and greed. Sometimes what can happen is, can't we? We sometimes have created this hierarchy of sins. And we look down on people and we judge people who have fallen sexually. But yet, we don't even look about what, what are the areas of greed even in our lives. Because Paul's liking them the same. He's put them all together in the same sentence, not in, a, in, a, in an order, a pecking order of one being more than the other. He's actually, he's likened together. He said to flee all these things, sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. Paul says they are one and the same. So tonight there's no judgment, but we want to explore what God means. Here's some references, just so you know this. This has been throughout, from the, right throughout the God story. God just wants us to avoid sexual immorality, right? wants us to live fully in this. So here's some of the things in the Old Testament, like Proverbs 6. He who commits adultery lacks sense. You should not commit adultery in Exodus. He's saying this. And even in the New Testament, it seems like it's unwavering. He's still saying the same things. It's not lessening. It's not diminishing what he's saying about this. We're saying flee sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain sexual immorality. And it goes on and on. There's more verses. God's heart is just that we wouldn't live into this. Again, he's not saying it in a beating us over the head, stick like as a father that's angry. It's like, guys, I've, I've got so much for you in this area. Just flee from it. Run away from it. Because I've got so much for you to live fully into in this because the Son has set you free. So live freely in this area is his heart for us. And then this we can see God's heart is just unwavering. Sex is a God-given gift that has been set within the boundaries of marriage. And so for a short while, I just want to explore why sex has given us a gift within marriage. Number two, why sex only marriage? Growing up, I was just always told sex is for marriage, right? That's all I was told, right? And uh, it seemed to be that it, in the church backgrounds growing up, it was just sex was a debut topic. You never even really ask questions about it. Now, I'm, I'm really thankful. My mom and dad were some of the most, the most graceful, they were the most graceful people in this with me, but with lots of the areas of struggle and failure that I had in this area growing up. My mom and dad just actually demonstrated the grace and the love of God in my life to me in this. I was able to talk to them about it. But it was almost like growing up in the church traditions. It was just like this was just a, this was a no-go topic. You just, if you had a question, it was like, shh, we don't talk about those things in here. That's almost what it was like growing up. And yet for me, it was just always told sex is something that's just for marriage. But for me, it was just like, Why? Why only in marriage? The Bible speaks of the fact that we were created as sexual beings. We've all got sexual desires. But why can it not just be expressed whenever we want it? God, if you've created us as sexual beings, why can we not just do the things you've created us to be? Why only with a marriage? And just very briefly, I just want to just point this out. We've looked at these verses a few times before again. But God, here, here's the principles that are, are, are prominent within marriage. Right, here, here's the two things that we see within marriage. These are the two overriding attributes that we see time and time again. Agape love and honor. I just want to unpack those really quickly. Agape love, there's lots of different words for love. Greek words. These top words are, are different versions of it. So even in terms of sexual arousal and things like that, it's this Greek word eros, which is to do with an erotic type of love. These other types of words aren't actually used in the Bible. The one that we really want to focus on tonight is this word agape, which is sacrificial love. Loads of you know that one of my favorite things to speak about, agape love. This is a God type of love. The beautiful thing about agape love is that it is different from the others. It's not based on a feeling. Agape love, get this, agape love is sacrificial. It's a sort of love that doesn't seek the benefit of itself, but of others. 
It doesn't seek to take, but it seeks to give away. This is the God type of love. So in John 3, 16, you all know it, for God so loved. It's when God so agape, when God so sacrificially loved the world, he sent Jesus. And see, the reason why we can see that this is a God type of love, that it's, it's a sacrificial love, it's not based upon what's coming the other way, because it says this in the Bible, it says, he loved us, even, even when we were the enemies of Christ, he loved us, even when we weren't choosing to love him, he was still lavishing his love upon us, he was choosing, this is what sacrificial love is, it's giving away. And it's this type of love, in Ephesians chapter 5, that God calls husbands to says this, Paul says this, Husbands, love your wives, agape, sacrificially love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. The beautiful thing is, right, as husbands love their wives that way, because we actually see it in the epistle of 1 John. It says, we love him because he first loved us. It's that word agape again. We can sacrificially love God because he first sacrificially loved us. It's almost like when someone demonstrates sacrificial love to you, one of the only responses that you have is that you just, you mirror it back. It's the most beautiful thing and freeing thing that you experience that you just naturally return it to that person. And so one of the things is that while these, this direction is given to husbands, wives will sacrificially love as well. The other direction that's given in this, it says this in Ephesians 5 verse 20, it says to submit to one another and it says this to the wives as well. It says in further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands. Listen, we taught in this on Sunday mornings a few weeks ago. Submission is not a weak word. It's not, not anything of weakness as we submit to one another, but it's a deep commitment to a person. It's an honoring. It's just placing a significant value or worth on that person. It's choosing to work with your spouse in a that promotes oneness right now so here's get this a wee second here's the beautiful thing about marriage and this is a big if if a marriage is operating the way god would want a marriage to work here's here's the sort of things that you experience in marriage sacrificial love where it's i'm going to choose to love you even if you're not showing it to me I'm going to choose to love you at all times. I'm going to choose your best. I'm going to choose what you want. I'm going to choose to try and meet your needs. I'm going to honor you. If marriage is working, and this is the environment that it is, this is why, this is what you need to get. This is why God places sex into this relationship because it's into this sacrificial love. It's into this honoring relation dynamic that when sex is placed, that if it's operating in this way, when sex is in this relationship, you will never get hurt and you'll never get abused by it. You'll never live in regret. You'll never live in shame. You'll just experience something of beauty and of worth in it in this area of marriage. Do you know what? I wish someone had sat down with me when I was younger and told me that. Because I just heard, it's, don't do it. And here's the reality of it is the beautiful thing. It's not God trying to ruin our fun, but it's like you'll never get hurt. And you see, this is, and again, I'm saying this, I'm not saying this, at all hear me in this because I have a massive failure in this area of my life growing up right but it's into this this is why the devil does not want us to see the reality of this because when it's taken outside of this sacrificial love and the safe honoring environment that's when we get hurt we get damaged by it we're left with all this baggage and this brokenness and everything that it experiences because the devil just wants to steal kill and destroy but again it's not said at all in a condemning way this is God's goal and God's best for us. Husbands would seek to use sex to please fulfill their wives in a sacrificial way above their own desires. And a woman would desire sex with her husband because of her deep commitment and honor towards him, because of the love that's being shown in this. And for me, I'd written down this, this is why Paul in the passage tonight likens sexual immorality to greed. 
Because if agape love is about giving and not getting, it's about being gen- generosity is the opposite of greed, you see. Generosity just wants to give all the time. And so that's why greed, sexual immorality, they all are just completely opposed to agape love. They don't understand agape love. They're not flowing in it. Fortunately, throughout history, and particularly prevalent in today's society, marriage is overlooked. Sexual promiscuity is on the rise. And today, society says in a loud voice, there's something wrong with you if you're not having sex. I used to work, I was a biology teacher uh, in Jamore High School. And obviously, there came that point in the curriculum we had to teach the birds and the bees. Right, so you had the sex talk with the students, and it just seemed to be because we would have taught it, but taught it in such a way where we were trying to boundary and just look about self-esteem issues and self-worth issues, and, and lots of the times the people would have been asking me, like, sir, because that was the respectful term they gave back then, sir, what, what's, what's your thoughts on this? And, uh, and do you know what, as, as you try to just share, you know, from, from a Christian perspective on it, I remember just loads of them looking at me, like, some of these kids, second, third year, Looking at me saying, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would you not have sex? Why, why on earth would you wait for someone that you're married? Everyone's having sex. Society's saying in a loud voice, you're stupid if you're not doing it. You're missing out if you're not doing it. And that's the prevalent voice in society. So tonight, all we want to do is just to say, guys, there's something better. It's God's best for us. And this, again, is not to say that if you have baggage in this, that there's not healing and restoration in this, and we would love to get primed people at the end if there's anything that needs prayed for in this area, but just to hear that there is a desire that God has for us in this area, and God's grace and love wants to speak into this. And here's the thing tonight, we just want to be really practical with this, because as good as that is, right, and all I've done on that first way, let's just paint the picture, here's God's best for our lives. It's good to know what God's ideals are, aren't they? As Christians, as those who say they want to follow the ways of God, it's good to know what God says and things, isn't it? So there's God's ideals, right? There's why it's placed within marriage. But you know what? It's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard to live out that standard in, in our society. Throughout history, it's been really hard. And so what I want to look at is just practically tonight in the last question, how to guard your purity? What are some of the practical things to be living into in this just in the last, the last number of minutes as we go through this? As, as we can hopefully see, as I said, sex is a gift from God. And, uh, but there are some prevalent issues that just seem to come up time and time again. So what tonight I'm going to do, I'm just going to name a few of them. We're going to talk through them tonight. You're going to hear words that are never usually referenced or mentioned in a, in a church service. Do you know the way in the royal wedding, your man got up and spoke in such a way the royals were flicking their eyelids and laughing? Tonight there might be a few nervous twitches as we talk about some, some of the words that we'll be mentioning. Do you know what? I don't care. <laughs> this is the church. Let's be real. The Bible's real with our lives. The Bible is practical for our lives. The Bible is relevant to your life, and it's got something to say into all of these areas. So here's the two first areas we're going to talk about tonight. Pornography and masturbation. There you go, we said it. Right? Pornography and masturbation. Right, let me see what I'm going to say about it. <laughs> it's clear that society has much to say on these. and make it almost seem abnormal to say it, even to consider that there's an issue with these. Within the church, there are perhaps differing opinions, perhaps especially with regards to the issue of masturbation. Some people have strong opinions one way or the other in this. Uh, I remember talking about this before. I remember like, when I was younger, trying to read loads of books on it, you know, say, like, what is the right or wrong thing about this? And 
some of the things people wrote were just the stupidest things I've ever read in your life, you know. But sometimes people can come and will try to reason or justify from a biblical point of view and a theological point of view um, to almost try to justify some of these things. I think the thing that's really important is this verse. It says this in Ephesians 5. It says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once they were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. It's almost like, it's like, right guys, listen, don't be fooled by the words. Remember last week I was here and I was talking about the charge that Paul gives to Timothy. And he says, be watchful. And it's the words that I said was, be watchful on what you hear. And what I was saying in that is, guys, just don't accept everything that you hear as gospel. You've got to test it for yourself. So even though people might be trying to justify from Scripture, you've got, to, you've got to test this for yourself. Be watchful in all things. And so what I would say into these issues, I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. But here's my, here's my challenge to you tonight. And all these things that we're talking about, it was the last part of the verse that Paul actually references. And this is what he says. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Right? This is your responsibility. So tonight when I'm saying some of the things that I think, it's just what I think. What's your responsibility is you need to bring this to the Lord. Because these, these are important issues. Right? When it comes to areas like sexuality, they're important issues. And so bring it to the Lord. Be practical with it, God. Listen, I'm really struggling in this area. Would you teach me your heart in this? Don't just accept the words that other people would say and even the words that people would use to almost tickle your ears to make it seem easier and to try and justify the things you're doing. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. If we are going to be those who love Jesus and follow his ways, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Look, live into all those things. And so what we're saying is bring them. Search the scriptures for yourself. Again, I'm going to give you some of my own thoughts. But please, 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 all that you do, just carefully determine what pleases the Lord and allow his grace just to lead you into those things. Have boldness and courage to choose purity in these things and what he'll lead you into. In my opinion, in marriages and in all relationships, pornography wrecks people's perceptions and what sex is about. It takes everything of what we've described God's ideals or ideals as sorry, and portrays the opposite. It's not about honoring, it's about taking. It's about fulfilling my needs and constantly opening myself up to the influence. And it's damaging. That's one of the things that's damaging about pornography. It's just that it seems to be that it almost normalizes people's expectation of what it is. And so loads of people come into relationships and people get damaged by it and they have expectations because they've watched stuff in a video and they think, well, that must be normal in a sexual encounter. And loads of people have been damaged to these things in the past. And so I think that it's really important. Again, one of the, the uh, charges that Paul spoke, or we looked at last week, where he said, be watchful, but it's just simply this, be watchful in what you watch, right? The eyes are the gateway of the soul, so be watchful in what you watch. Biblically, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 5, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her, in his heart. Jesus is saying, guys, it's not just simply about looking. There's something going on in your heart. That's what Jesus was really pressing into, something in the heart. Regarding the issue of masturbation, one of the things I want to be clear on again is that we don't ever need to feel guilty about having sexual desires. Right? Let me be clear on this. If you've ever had a sexual desire or thought come into your mind, do not ever feel guilty or condemned about that. You were created as a sexual being. It's normal. Right, so one of the things you shouldn't do is pray, Jesus, would you take away my sexual desires? It's like you're saying, Jesus, would you stop, stop making me what you've made me to be? 
right? We were created as sexual beings. We will have sexual desires. That's okay. But what do we actually do with those things is really important, right? And so we have a responsibility. As sexual beings, we have all these kinds of urges, but it is our minds, hearts we want to keep pure. So to get more technical about it, I just feel that sometimes, you know, even in our minds, in terms of this whole area of masturbation, I just feel that it's something can be reducing people from a, from a person to an it, sometimes in our mind, that it's nothing of honor about the person at all. And so for me, I just feel that even in terms of where sex had been set, in terms of the honoring and the make sure that it's being guarded and to live fully into these things, I just, I struggle to see how to be. But please, the thing that I would say to you is what Paul would say, carefully determine for yourself what pleases the Lord in this. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Again, if there's been a desire or thought ever crossed your mind for a split second, I know this is what used to be for me. I used to beat myself up about it. I used to think I was the worst Christian in the world because I'd had a sexual thought. Even if I hadn't dwelt on the thought where sex shall be in. So tonight we just want to release people from the guilt of having those feelings, but to recognize that there's a responsibility for you. And to know that if this has been an area of struggle, something that might be going through your mind is saying, I can never give this up. To know that you can. This is, these are the words in Genesis 4 down at the bottom. This is God speaking to Cain in Genesis chapter 4. And it says, sin is crouching at the door. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. There's something about us, the sun sets us free and we're free indeed. We can subdue these things in our lives. And so there's things that we can look into. So practically, right, all that aside, Dave, that's fair enough. It's easy for you to say that. Practically, what does it mean? How to overcome it in some of these different areas. First thing to say is this. Here's just a three bits of advice, just something that's helped me just to walk in a bit more freedom in this area. First thing is simply this. Covenant the issue to God would be the first thing I would say, right? Covenant the issue to God. Listen to what it says in the book of Job. I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? What would, my port, what would be my portion from God above and my heritage from the Almighty and High? Is it not calamity for the unrighteous and disaster for the workers of iniquity? But it was this bit particularly at the start. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Job was someone who God recognized and admired for his heart. Job realized his responsibility, and we read this phrase that he made a covenant with his eyes. It's almost like he had purposed in his heart that he was not going to do this. And the reason why I put this up is just to share just a bit of like my own story and just being open and transparent and vulnerable, just even as I say this. I remember growing up, um, not, not so much around the whole area of pornography, but particularly just with the area of masturbation. It was a real area of struggle. And uh, I remember... so. It, Probably some of the things that I've even referenced over the last number of weeks, I think, was, you know where I said, but sometimes it seems to be that the mark or measure of how good we are in our spirituality and our relationship with God is how long has it been since I've done that thing that I really struggle with? Any of you ever thought that way? That's what it was for me. It was just constantly caught up in this cycle growing up. It was just like, so how long has it been since I had that struggle that I was actually dealing with? And, you know, it came this point. It came this point in my life, I was chatting with Robbie about this during the week, it came this point in my life where uh, I, was just, I was just like, I was just done. I just realized that, you know, I just wasn't living under the fullness of God in this area. And it was almost like I was just, I just was just, I was just frustrated at myself. And I just got this point where I remember just sitting with the Lord where I actually, it was one of the, like the deepest, the deepest yearning prayers that I'd ever pray, really prayed with God. And I remember particularly with this issue, I just made this vow and I covenanted myself to God with it. I said, God, listen, this has been a struggle. And I know your grace has covered this. 
not living in guilt and condemnation, but God, this has been a struggle. And I just, I am covenanting myself to you with this area. And God, for the rest of my life, almost like a husband and wife, for better, for worse, rich and poor, God, for the rest of my life, I am committing myself to you in this area. Now, here's the thing. Does that mean that I never had an urge or thought after? Of course not. But you know what happened when an urge or a thought came? My mind went back to that covenant prayer. It was almost like my wedding ring. It was a reminder to me that was just set before me. And it was just this, you see, the thing about a covenant is that it's more than I'll try. I try means I'll just, I'll try my best. A covenant means I'm going to do this. I'm committing to this for the rest of my life. For me, it was the depth of the reality of God. This is what I'm doing in this area. And so I just was done with it. So I feel that that's one of the big things to say. Firstly, is stop trying and commit yourself to God. And we're going to look at how God helps us in that at the end. Secondly, just to say this, recognize your weaknesses and build barriers. If this is an area of weakness for you, recognize it because the devil knows it. And listen, to saying all these things, but this isn't just an issue for lads. This is an issue for men and women, right? Let's be realistic about it. So this is for everyone. Recognize your weaknesses and build barriers. So if pornography or things like that is a weakness, here's some of the barriers you could have. There are filters for computers that just stop you from going into certain websites. If you go into certain websites to access pornography, there are accountability partners set up. That means there's an email directly sent to them. So even why not even set your mom up as an accountability partner that when you open up a pornographic site it sends her an email dear mrs smith your son logged on to a pornography site last week how accountable would that be but you know what like as funny as it is it's almost like how drastic we want to be with it it's like you want to suffocate the life out of this if it's an area of weakness for you and so i know loads loads of my friends who pornography pornography listen it wasn't a major issue for me ever because it was one of those ones for me it was just all in my mind you know so it's not as if to say that it was any better than anyone but look at who this was an area with or issue with in their lives growing up i know even now even at this age they have their wives as their accountability partners in these things and just means that if anything ever happens, it's set up. Just be practical about it as well. If this is an issue, don't be sitting in a room in your room with a computer for ages and ages and ages of the all hours of the night. Be, be, don't be stupid, right? If it's an area of weakness, do not be stupid. You're just giving the devil the chances to get in. So be realistic about it, right? Recognize your weaknesses and build barriers. If it's getting rid of a TV out of your room, if it's putting filters, whatever it might be, do it. And then thirdly, and really importantly, is simply this, accountability. Right? Remember I said at the start, this is one of the most significant things we could ever talk about. This is where accountability is important. If this is a struggle for you, you need to bring it into the light. Right? This isn't what it says, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. What the devil wants to do is to keep you isolated away and to say, if this is an area of struggle for you, don't tell anyone about it. Don't tell it. Oh, dear knows what they think about you. They'll think worse of you. They'll look down at you. They'll think you're not as good a Christian. Whatever it may be, they'll say, don't tell anyone about it. Because he wants to keep you isolated, alone with the struggle, or the thought about these things. And what you need to do is to bring it out of the darkness where the devil works and bring it into the light. Right? And allow God's grace to flow in these things. And the way of bringing it into the light is just by having people that you can be real with and say, listen, this is a real area of weakness for me. Please, can we just keep checking in on this? Please, can you check in with me daily or weekly, whatever it is? Can we just talk about this if I'm struggling with it? Please, can we? And listen, accountability isn't someone who'll just pat you in the back and say, oh, that's fine, it's all right. They hold you to account in these things, right? They'll actually call you for what it is. If you're saying, listen, you told me you really wanted to get rid of this. So what are you doing about it? 
House of accountability is essential. That's why in the likes of what we're trying to embed and discipleship culture and church accountability is essential for it. Two or three other questions just before we finish. Firstly, this. Have you ever asked this question? How far is too far? People are afraid to nod or shake their heads here in case they get caught out. How far is too far? Come on, we've asked that question loads, asked it loads growing up. You know what? I've realized that one of the questions I should have been asking was, how far away can I actually go from it? And how close can I go to God's best for me in this? I remember when I was but a boy, I remember in youth here in the church, Ollie was the youth pastor back then, and he used this analogy when it came to this topic, and it was to do with this idea of a cliff edge. And he said that, you know, it seemed to be that a lot of people like the James Bond characters in the movies, they were the, like the heroes who just drove right up to the edge, you know, and they were cool and all that sort of stuff. And it seems to be for a lot of us, we just like to go to the edge, you know, just get as close to it as we can. But what sometimes happens is we just fall over. We don't realize that we've actually got so far to the edge that we're actually over it. And we end up tripping up in these things. One of the things it's just really important is that we just need to go after God's idealness. I've written this down. We live in a culture. We live in a culture where it's a bigger ideal to lose your phone than it is to lose your virginity. It's a bigger issue to lose your iPhone than it is to lose your virginity. And here's what i just love to say to anybody who's single in the room, to the young people. What we need, right, what we need is a generation of young people who will just once again champion the word virginity. Right? Just champion the word for genity. And almost be bold with it. Like be courageous with this. Like that this is what you want to go after. Like that this isn't wrong. That actually this is something you just want to hold as, as a trophy moment in your life. And you know what? Just to be able to just to be able to like get get to recognize, you know, how beautiful a thing it would be to be able to to meet your wife at the top of an aisle and say, I've kept myself for you. To keep I've kept myself for you. Let me, I, I, I'm, being, I'm being totally vulnerable tonight. And you know what, I, I, I don't care. I don't care what people think about me after this. It is probably my biggest regret in my life that I couldn't look my wife in the eye and say that. You have no idea how much of a regret it was. Did I live in shame and guilt? No. Like, no, not at all. But I, I wish, I wish upon wish upon wish I had just looked my wife in the eye and been able to say that. Young people, champion the word for virginity once again. Go after it with all that you have. While the enemy in society will say you're stupid for not having sex with people, it's no, we want to live after God's best. Let's start championing the word for virginity once again and just keep it to the right time. Song of Solomon said this, Promise me, women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, not to wake in love until the time is right. You know, Paul even says this. Paul even says this. I've seen stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Just briefly to say on that, do you know what? Sometimes it's not even about the action of it, but it's even about our thoughts. So, lads, because it's predominantly more lads, right? So let me talk to the lads here and to the older men. Be careful how you joke about it, right? Because it's almost like even in your mind with your jokes and the way you talk about it, you're just lowering or diminishing what it's actually about. See, Paul in this, he doesn't actually, well, he's talking about sexual immorality. He doesn't actually talk about any active sexual immorality, but he talks about these things, obscene stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes. They're not for you. It's like if you're going to set a precedent and what God's best is, talk about it in that way, right? And don't lower it in any way. Guys, I'm not looking at you particularly, by the way. I'm just turning around because you're the younger ones, right? Please, I'm not speaking prophetically into your life tonight, right? Okay, so I'll look over here, okay, from now on. <laughs> Next question. 
Next question is just to say this. Do you ever hear some people thinking this? Sure, I'm going to marry that person. Why not? People have said that. You know, and you know loads of stuff happens in life. One of the things, just here, here's the quote I would say this. True love waits. And the, the thing that I'd just written down in this today was this. If you want to show, if you want to love your boyfriend or girlfriend like the way a husband or wife would love each other, then wait. If you want to love them sacrificially, because actually, remember we said at the start, that's what you're called to do as husbands and wives. Let's take sex aside and out of it. That's what we're called to do as husbands and wives, is to love each other sacrificially. If you want to learn to love sacrificially, then choose the best for your husband or your wife, or choose the best, sorry, for your boyfriend or girlfriend, and wait in that moment. And finally, this is the last thing. Simply is simply to say this. The church over the years has used the line that people should guard their purity until they are married. Right? And the problem with this mindset it's created within people is that it seems that there's something of your purity to be lost as soon as you have sex when you get married. Right? And one of the things we need to recognize is that sexual purity is something that we need to guard before we're married and we need to guard after we're married. If you're in a married relationship here tonight, sexual purity, let me turn my head around. I'm not some you guys, some of you might be married over here, right? So I'm speaking to some of the married people in the room. Sexual purity is something we need to guard before and after we are married, right? Just because you're married suddenly doesn't mean that you just throw caution to the wind and just do whatever you want in this area. Sexual purity is something for us to guard in all of these things. Sex is from God and everything about him is pure. It's one of the most purest things. And so tonight as a church, we're saying this. It's something to guard before and after. Purity isn't something you lose in a moment. Virginity is. Purity is your state of heart and mind towards this and is something which you're always journeying through. And so it's not just about checking the state or purity of your heart before you're married, but still as a married couple. As a married couple, your desire is for each other. Do you remember we said that in marriage, the two things are sacrificial love and honor? I've just written this. If you want to love your wife or your husband sacrificially, you need to love them like they want to be loved. Let me say that again. If, if you want to love your husband or your wife sacrificially, you need to love them like they want to be loved. So there are the different love languages. These are the different ways that people express and receive love in different ways. You have a way that you love to receive love. So here's some of them. Touch, which is obviously brings in the whole sexual intimacy side of things. Time. Some people just love having quality time. It seems to be that men just love the top one, Right? And then we stop. <laughs> Some women love the top one as well. Sorry, I'm not generalizing. Time, quality time is really important. Task, like that you've done something because you've sacrificed your love. So let me give you an example. I hate cleaning, but I know that Laura loves a tidy house. Right? And so sometimes when she's out working, I, I try my best to make sure the house is almost like, not because I'm afraid of her coming home, right? And <laughs> I'm in. Because I actually just, I'm just thinking in that moment, actually, I just want to do something nice for her. I just want to love her the way she would love to receive love. And I know that things like this is really important. So I get my marigold gloves out and I sit and scrub the kitchen down and all that sort of stuff, right? So tasks are important. Tokens, some people love gifts. Some people, their love language is talk, communication. In the area of sexual relationships, all these things are important. In the area of sexual relationships, clear communication between husbands and wives needs to happen. What is the desire in this area? What are the expectations within relationships? How often, whatever it might be. Without talking about it, we just get frustrated and feeling unheard and it turns into this vicious cycle. 
Regarding sex, agape love and honor means caring for each other's desire in this area rather than your own. And so it's important to know what is the hopes and desires in it. You know you can trust the other person. Because of the teaching in the past, some people enter into marriage and find it hard to be intimate. Because again, they've been told that it's, it's a dirty or it's a wrong thing. It's a good thing. And so if you're in a married relationship, you need to know that this is a gift of God. And so tonight we just want to say it's a good, it's a God idea. And in the context of your marriage, it's something that should be enjoyed. For men, men, it means this. If it's sacrifice, love, and honor, you husbands, do not seek to dominate your wife in this area. Men, on the whole, again, think about it a lot more. But your wife is not something for you to use to fulfill your needs. Your wife has been given to you as a gift to love and fulfill her desires. This is agape love in action. It's how you honor. For wives, understand your husband's desires in this area. This gift is to be used out of a place of love and honor. This is what Paul even says in this. You can read this. It's on the screens. 1 Corinthians 7. Lead you and the guys want to come up. Is this done? Sorry, guys, it's been a long one. There's loads to unpack in this. And so for both to realize that even though you're married, listen, it's really important. Whether you've married 5, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 40 years, the desires are still the same. You want to love each other. You want to show love to one another. It's the easiest thing on your wedding day, isn't it? Do you remember, for those of you who are married, do you remember the days where you stood at the top of the aisle and and uh, for, for the blokes anyway, and, and the bride walked towards you, and you're all weak at the knees, thinking this is amazing. And uh, you happily made that vow that said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. In sickness and health, I'm going to choose to love you. I'm going to choose to honor you, all this sort of stuff. I'm going to, I do. And you, like, you said it so happily, and then two or three days later, it was just like you had your first reality check of that vow that you had actually made, maybe when you had your first argument. This is the thing we need to realize, is that each day we need to realize, as married couples, is that we simply keep saying, I do. It's not for a moment. We're just continuing to honor. And finally in this, this is us. And all of this, guys, there's... there's you need to know that God's grace is just so for us in this area. God's heart is so for us in this area of our life. God's desire is that he just wants us to live fully. And so tonight, listen, none of the stuff at all is said in a condemning way. Please, that's why I wanted to be open and vulnerable about my own weaknesses and garbage and this in the past. But you know what? I'm a son of God. And this doesn't shape my identity. But it is a gift from God that I'm thankful for. And uh, I just want to see it used, even in my own life, in an honoring way. And so it's something that I still need to pray about. It's something I still need accountability around me. And it's something I want to be open in. And it's something we, just as the church, just want to speak in truth in. Because this is a massive area where the devil just wants to just knock us off guard and just to derail us. And into all these things, we just simply want to say, God, we want to honor you. Don't we? God, we can honor you in lots of ways. God, we can honor you with money. We can honor you with the songs that we sing in worship. But God, in this way, we just want to submit ourselves to you. How about that as a church together, that we help each other, that we journey with one another in these things. Let, let's stand tonight, can we, just as we finish. Tonight, I just wanted to finish just by simply praying. Just Lee and the guys just start to lead us here tonight. I just want to just pray just that we would just have courage. We would have courage to be pure in this area. 
Andrea, Andrea Wigglesworth, she's been texting board back and forth the last couple of days, and I was texting her today, and she was, I was telling her we were speaking on this tonight, and she was saying to you, just pray, pray this prayer, pray for the courage to be pure. Pray for the courage to be pure. Listen, that's why I just wanted to say from the outset, this is God's ideal. Again, not in a way to condemn, but something that even in our hearts, that would there just be a purity in our hearts, that we just live into it and lead towards it. And do you know what? How we do that is simply this. And again, this is repeating something I said two or three weeks ago. Don't make your weaknesses the main thing that you focus on. Make Jesus the main thing you focus on. When you have spiritual purity, all these things flow out of it. And they start to take care of themselves. It's almost like this is the big focus in our lives. And so while it is massive and we want to talk about it and be open about it and be realistic about it, all I would say is younger person, older person, go after Jesus. Give yourself to him. And so Holy Spirit, tonight, just even as we finish, Holy Spirit, just as we, as we worship in these last moments and as, uh, as Grant wraps things up and we spend time just over tea and coffee, tonight, Holy Spirit, I just want to just pray firstly for hearts and minds tonight. God, if there's hearts that um, have maybe been challenged tonight, God, I just pray for boldness, God, just to make the right decisions. God, I pray that courage would rise in all of our hearts, God, whatever stage of life we're at, whatever relationships we are in, God, whatever uh, status, whatever relationship status we have, God, that you would just help us to live in a way that honors you with us. And God, into areas, God, that we have maybe had hurt in this, God, and just journeyed through disappointment or baggage from the past, God, I just pray healing tonight. I pray restoration. Jesus, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. I thank you that your grace covers and your forgiveness covers a multitude, God, of sins, you said. And so, God, I thank you that it's covered in my own life. And I thank you that it's here and it's available for everyone. Just to say there's prayer ministry available at the end tonight if you need anyone to pray. I know that might be awkward because it's almost like pinpointing yourself, but even to ask a friend tonight that you trust to do that. Holy Spirit, would you just rise in our hearts and lives right now? God, into this area, we just pray that you would lead us into fullness of life. Thank you for your dreams. Thank you for your desires for us in this. And God, as your children, we say, would you lead us in your ways? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in this way, God, in our sexuality. And lead us, God, in all these things. Holy Spirit, just be with us the rest of this night. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Be with us now, even as we worship. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.